Good morning, everyone. Well, my dear friends, you know, humility is one of those virtues that is essential for all Christians and for good living. And how important is it? Well, throughout Scripture, some of the most powerful, most moving moments are when individuals or groups showed great humility. One of the, there are two times that the Lord said that someone had tremendous faith. You know, he said to them, you have a lot of faith. One of them was the Roman centurion, a Roman. When, in fact, we even use those words in mass, where the Roman centurion said, Lord, can you come to my house? Or no, I'm sorry, can you heal my servant? because he is ill. And the Lord said, let's go. And the centurion said, no, you don't have to come to my house. You know, you do not have to come under my roof. Only say the word, and I know my servant will be healed. And we use those words in mass. We'll do that later on uh, during the mass. The second time where Jesus said, this person has tremendous humility, tremendous faith, is the Seraphonician woman. My favorite. This is my favorite. Because I would never be able to do something like that. Where Jesus, she, she, he says to this woman, basically, you know, you're a dog. She says, she asked him, Lord, could you come and save my daughter? And he says, well, you don't give food to the dogs. And where most of us would respond probably in a negative way, right? This woman says, Lord, but even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of the master, the children. And the Lord said to her, you have tremendous faith. He could have said, you have tremendous humility. Go in peace, your daughter is saved. And then there's also that moment in Peter's life where he falls to his knees and said, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And the Lord says to him, nope, from now on, you will be a fisher of men. And then the Lord gives one of the ten Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the earth. And even Moses Even Moses says, Lord, I cannot speak. Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in the past, nor since you have spoken to me. And God says to Moses, you will be the leader of this people. And then, of course, today's example in the gospel Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, many times we find ourselves almost in that same publican's position where we can't even lift our head out of shame for what we've done. Physically, we can't even raise our head. Even when we walk around, we can't even raise our head because we're so full of shame or guilt. 
And we're told over and over again, don't ever show weakness. If you ever read any of these books on leadership, it's always like, be confident, be confident. Never show weakness. Show who's the boss. I remember I was at a church. Before I came to All Saints, I was at two different churches. And when I came to one of the churches, the pastor, everybody was always arguing with the pastor. Always. Telling the pastor what to do, how he should run this, run that. And I remember he came up to me and he said, you know, nobody ever listens to me. This isn't me, okay? This isn't, you know. But he says, nobody ever listens to me. And I said, well, you know, Father, I was at a church where the pastor was really mean. And everybody did whatever he said. And he said to me, well, I don't want to be like that. Huh? Okay. Then it's better. Then, okay, get used to people. But it's okay. It's okay. Better to have people that you can, that can be honest with you all the time than people that are always afraid of you, especially when it comes to the church. How can we tell if we are, what's the, of course, humility is the virtue. What's the anti-virtue? Pride. Pride. How can you tell if you're a prideful person? Well, let's go down the list. You can't admit a mistake. You have a hard time admitting a mistake. You never pray because you don't need to. You always talk about your accomplishments over and over again. You never ask for any help. You don't need it. You criticize others most of the time or all of the time. And right now you're looking at your spouse as I go down the list. Okay? Anybody? Or your kids, but it's 8, 8.30, so there are not too many. No. I've noticed that if, you, if it's been a while since you've gone to confession, you'll notice that there's a wall now. <laughs> like there's no way that the priest can go over on the side of the penitent and you know, vice versa. And I've noticed that once I put that wall and there's no more face-to-face, the confessions have been, well, first of all, faster, but they've been more honest, more humble, more heartfelt. It's really been remarkable. And I always tell people, I don't need to see your face. I just need to see your heart. That's all. I don't need to know who's there. The New York Times used to write these articles about modern love. And in fact, now Amazon Prime has a whole series. I'm not going to recommend that you watch them because I don't know all of them. (laughs) But I remember the articles, and the articles were, some of them were so beautiful. One of them was about a, a doorman. Now this is the, so the, the, the article theme was called Modern Love. And one of them was about a doorman who 
was like a father to all, most of the tenants. He would give them advice. He would tell them if this was a good boyfriend or not a good boyfriend or a good girlfriend. And you would think that this guy was so intrusive in their life, but the people didn't mind because he truly cared about them. And one of them once asked him, why are you a doorman? You're so smart, you could do anything else. And he said, because I enjoy this. I enjoy doing this. And sometimes we think that to be significant, we have to have some sort of extraordinary job or money or, no. There's another article about a young lady who could never let anyone know that she struggled with bipolar disorder. And so she would lose her job, she would lose her friends, she would lose her boyfriend. She was constantly, you know, like people who are bipolar. They would have their moments, and then they would have their darkest moments. Until finally, she admitted to someone that she had this struggle. And her whole world changed. It got better. And then she began to call all her friends that she had disappointed over the years, and they said, oh my goodness, why didn't you tell us before? We were always wondering. It's like that publican in the gospel today who had his head down. I can't tell anybody. I can't share my life with anyone. What would they think of me? What would they say? There's another article about a woman who was married to her husband, and she was always angry at him. He was very successful in his career. She was a stay-at-home mom, and she was always blaming him for everything, everything. And then finally, she said, I'm jealous of you because you're doing so much, and I feel like what I do is not worth anything. But the breakthrough came when she finally was able to say what she felt in her heart. And that's what the Lord invites us to do every Sunday. Can you imagine? The very first thing that we do as soon as we arrive at Mass is is exactly what the publican did in the Gospel. Through my fault, through my fault, through through my most grievous fault. He bit, remember, right? He beat his breast and prayed, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. That's why Mass, Mass is not like anything else you will ever see in any other church. Because Mass isn't an entertainment session. It isn't like, what you're, I mean, it's great if you walk out and say, wow, wasn't that a nice homily? Oh, man, that was a, what did he say? I don't remember, but, you know. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, the music was fantastic, the music. But those things are supposed to help get to a realization that you can never forget when you go to church. 
that we have offered up the Son of God for our sins, for forgiveness of our sins. That's what Mass is all about, where I come as a sinner and I walk out as a saint, only to go into battle once again. So what's the difference between a saint and a sinner? Well, a sinner is someone who knows that they need a savior, right? I'm sorry, I just messed that up. (laughs) A saint is a sinner who knows he's a sinner and needs a savior. Whereas a sinner is someone who thinks they're a saint and doesn't need a savior. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so the idea here is that, you know, like how many of us were struggling this morning to get to Mass? Not because we were running late, but because we really didn't want to go to Mass. You know, it's like, uh uh-huh. Well, am I the only one? Uh, Okay. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, okay, you know, here we go again. But why am I struggling? Because I don't like to admit that I'm a sinner and that I need a savior. And that's where the humility comes in. When we read these articles that we find anywhere in the world or we read the gospel passage or we examine our conscience, then we know once again that I am no different from the people that struggle and that I need a savior and that it's good once in a while, especially once a week, to come to church And say it, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do. And I ask, Blessed Mary, all the the Virgin and all the saints, to pray for me and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me. So that is the goal that we all have, to recognize who we are, and to know that we have a, sin, a Savior, a Savior who never turns his back on us. Amen.